God, we love you, and we're thankful for you. We're thankful for your presence in this place. We're thankful for your presence every week, God. But most of all, this morning, we're thankful for your word and the fact that you speak to us through your word, God. I pray that as we read another story that probably is going to be a familiar story, as we read it, would we see it with new eyes this morning, God? Would you speak to us in brand new ways? And God, as we pray every week, would you speak through me? God, would the words that are coming out of my mouth be your words and not just mine? No one, no one came this morning to hear from me. We all come to hear from you, including me, God. We come to hear from you. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in a series uh, this morning and for the last uh, seven weeks. This is our week seven, uh, just called Stories. And we've been going through some of... Some of the stories that we read about in Scripture and talking about how these stories affect and change and shape the faith that we have today. I love stories. Stories have power. Stories have power to to change. Stories have power to shape. That's why when you watch commercials online, uh, on the TV, every commercial is trying to tell you a story. Why? Because you remember stories. You remember the, the outcome. You remember what happened. Uh, I'm sure you, we could all share stories of what happened when we were, we were little kids, right? Stories stick with us, right? We don't necessarily remember our teacher's names. We don't remember the facts necessarily, but we remember stories of, of our grade school years. We remember stories of when we were younger. We remember stories because stories stick. Stories have power. Stories have power to change and to shape. And so there's a, there are so many stories in this scripture. I don't think it's any coincidence that Jesus' main teaching way was through the power of story, through parables that he told. He told a lot of stories. Stories are important. And I love stories. Stories are, are just, they're just fun. They're fun to tell. They're fun to listen to. You gather around a campfire, and what do you want to do? You want to tell stories. You gather around the table at a men's breakfast, and what do you want to do? You want to tell stories. You, wanna, you want, stories are how we communicate. But again, stories have power. Stories can teach us. Stories can, can shape us. And that's why this series, I think, is so important as we go back and we look at some of the stories that, that we read about in Scripture. And some of these stories we've seen and we've only looked at as, that's just a, that's a Sunday school story that we teach our kids, and, but, but it's here for a reason. These stories are in this book for a reason, for you and me here today, so that we can, our faith can be shaped and our faith can be challenged and, and we can become more like the people that God is wanting us to be. Stories are all throughout Scripture. In fact, this whole book is a story. It's a story of love and of redemption and of hope. This is, this is the gospel story. This is the good news of the Word of God. This is, this is a great story. And it's not over with. Right? Revelation is something that is still to come. We're still somewhere between Jude and Revelation here. Right? We, we belong in this story of God. We have a part to play in the story of God. And so we've been taking a look at some of these stories that we read in Scripture. So far, we've looked at Daniel. And Daniel's, Daniel's ability to stand up for his faith, to stand for what he believed. We looked at Jonah and his, 
this concept of calling and how, how Jonah ran from the calling of God. And sometimes we want to run from the callings that God has called us to. We looked at Esther and looked at this relationship between faith and risk and how risk plays a huge part in our faith. Risk can be a catalyst for our faith. We looked at Joshua in week four and how Joshua's boldness was just an amazing thing that God called him to and that God calls us to as well. Two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we looked at Naaman in week five. And Naaman and, and just this idea of not needing an explanation to be able to follow God. That God is, if God is calling us to something, that we might have the amount of explanation that we're going to get this side of the yes. Sometimes God doesn't make sense. But God is always true. God is always right. God is always love. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. And last week we looked at Jairus, story of Jairus and, uh, and his dying daughter and the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And we, we talked about just a faith that is persistent, a faith that keeps on keeping on. Today I want to look at, at, a, at a new story. And at this story I want to <clears throat> talk about faith this morning through the lens of, through the lens of hard times. Now, there's all kinds of stories in Scripture that talk about what faith looks like in hard times. Uh, about a, maybe two months ago now, I did a whole sermon on Job, and I'm not going to rehash that, but Job is a great example of, of how to continue to have faith in hard times. But actually, the story we're going to look at today is right behind last week. So last week, we were in Mark chapter 5. This week, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4. If you want to turn there, Mark chapter 4. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, on page 861. And so, so just like last week, there are similar contexts here. Jesus is with his disciples. They're on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, just, for, just so you can picture it in your head, the Sea of Galilee is about the third the size of Lake Tahoe. Uh, it's not a terribly big lake. It's, not a ter- it's, it's more of a lake than a sea. It's not necessarily the Sea of Galilee. It's probably more of a lake than that. Uh, but it's the Sea of Galilee. This is where they are at. And Jesus did a lot of miracles and a lot of his ministry in this area. In fact, there's in the city of Capernaum, which is right there, this is where he healed a paralytic man and a centurion servant in Bethsaida, right? He <clears throat> fed the 5,000 and he, hit, and, he, and he healed a blind man. In Canaan, Cana, he turned the water into wine. I could go on and on about all that Jesus did around this lake, but this morning I want to look at a story of Jesus and his disciples as they are on this lake, or in this lake. As they are on the water, in Mark chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 35. Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 35. Again, if you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 861, I'm going to go ahead and just read this passage, and then we'll unpack it. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. This is, I think, a great story about having faith in the hard times, having faith on rough seas. These disciples, you see, here, here we, have, we have Jesus. He's finishing a long day of preaching. This day starts in chapter 4, and there's, there's, a lo- there's large crowds, right? And there's large crowds, so many crowds, so much so that Jesus can't even be on the land while he's preaching to them. He's, they are crowding him so much that Jesus gets in a boat to be able to preach to all the crowds that are on the land trying to listen to him. This has been a long day of preaching and teaching and asking questions and Jesus, as you can imagine, as probably any of us would be, he's tired. He needs a break. He wants to go to sleep. He's in a boat. And lucky enough for him, he's with a bunch of fishermen. <laughs> the disciples are fishermen. So what better place to go to sleep than in a boat with a bunch of fishermen? You would think that the fishermen could get to the other side no matter what. And Jesus, I know, had enough faith in his disciples to say, you can get there. So he falls asleep in the stern of the boat. Then a storm comes. Now this kind of storm is not an unusual storm in the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is a, <clears throat> is a small lake, but it's 600 feet below sea level. And surrounded it are, surrounding it are mountains and hills. And so when the sun goes down and the wind picks up, clouds come over that sea. And it's said to be that when, when, the, when it really gets rocking on the Sea of Galilee, it is like a cauldron on the Sea of Galilee. Just waves and it's choppy and it's nasty. And you can imagine this is the kind of storm that, that the disciples and Jesus are here, are in. In 1986, uh, there was a, which is a great year, by the way, 1986, one of my favorite years ever. Uh, In 1986, the Sea of Galilee was at one of its lowest stages ever. And as it was in one of these low stages, there was a boat that was found. It was an ancient fishing boat. It was 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and four feet deep made of wood. You can imagine that this is probably around the same size of boat that Jesus and his fishermen, disciples, are in. You can also imagine trying to to fight a cauldron-like lake inside one of these boats. It's not going to go very well. At some point, though, these disciples, who who admittedly knew what they were doing on the water, decided that they were going to try and go to the other side, even in the midst of the storm. They decided they were going to try and keep going. They were going to, they were going to, the decision was made to keep going, but they soon realized that this is not going to end well unless there's a miracle. And just like it was lucky for Jesus that he needed some sleep, and then there were some fishermen that had a boat, his disciples, right? These disciples are now needing a miracle. And guess what? Lucky for them, Jesus is in the boat. So they go to Jesus. Jesus. And they they don't even ask him to, to, they just say, don't you care if we drown? Jesus, don't you care? They wake him up. I can just imagine them trying to wake Jesus up. Not only like, don't you care if we drown, but 
how are you sleeping through this, right? How are you sleeping through this giant storm? We're afraid we're going to die, and here's Jesus in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. Jesus, they go to Jesus and they, they wake him up. I can, the way that I picture Jesus in this is there was one time <clears throat> when Ashley was little, we woke her up on a Sunday morning, it was time for church, and uh, I think we were actually probably running a little late, it was 9.30, 10 o'clock, something like that before church, and, and we woke her up to get her ready, and Ashley wakes up and her eyes just kind of like, oh, I don't want to be up, and her words that morning were, is it morning already? <laughs> I can imagine Jesus, after a long day, not, being wanting to, not, being, not wanting to be awake. He's tired, he's exhausted, the, the disciples go and they wake him up, and I can imagine him just waking up and being like, come on guys, come on, I'm just, can't a guy just get some rest, I mean, come on, and, and, and so they, they continue here, and, and Jesus speaks to the storm, and the storm stops. And Jesus looks at his disciples and he says these two phrases that I want to really talk about this morning. Why are you so afraid? And do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's what I'm thinking about when I read this passage. I'm really thinking about two things. Number one, what were they expecting Jesus to do? I mean, they're in the middle of a storm, they need a miracle, and they go wake up Jesus, and they say, don't you care if we're going to drown? What were they expecting Jesus to do? Were they expecting Jesus to just come and help bail water out of the boat, or were they expecting a miracle? Because at the end of this passage, they're terrified when Jesus performs a miracle. They're asking the question, who is this? Even the wind, even the, even the storms obey Jesus. What were they expecting of Jesus? If they were expecting a miracle and then they got the miracle and then they're terrified, I, I, just, I just don't know what their mindset is. It makes sense. Jesus is asking this question, where is your faith? Do you still have no faith? I mean, they, they still don't understand they wake up Jesus, Jesus comes through, and they're terrified. They still don't understand who is this. And you would think that after being with Jesus 24-7, after going back and, and, and just seeing all that Jesus is doing, Jesus, Jesus is, is healing people, Jesus is doing all kinds of stuff, they would come to, the, come to grips with the fact that Jesus really is God in the flesh. And of course, if we wake up Jesus in this moment, of course he can stop the sea. Of course he can calm the storms because Jesus is God. Jesus has power over everything. They, they know he's powerful. Otherwise, they wouldn't have, have woken him up. Here's the second thing I think of. Wasn't it easy for them? Wasn't it easy for them when things were going good? Wasn't it easy for them when they were like the... They were just Jesus' right-hand men. And people were coming from all over the place to see Jesus do miracles. And, and they were seeing all kinds of stuff. The disciples were, I mean, Jesus was, was healing people. There were a ton of followers following Jesus, just wanting to be around Jesus. We read later on, like we talked about last week in chapter 5, 
that there, there are crowds, just they know that Jesus can heal. In fact, those crowds have enough faith to say, even if I just touch Jesus, I'm going to be healed, right? This is the kind of crowds that, that, are, that are following Jesus. And these disciples are the chosen few. These disciples are the ones that Jesus picked and Jesus called and said, said follow me. Right? Which is weird because back then, even, even the rabbis, Jesus as a rabbi, the rabbis don't go and pick their own followers. Right? People go and they ask the rabbi, I, I want to follow you. But Jesus flips that script. He goes and he handpicks these guys. These are the guys that Jesus wants to be with him. These are special guys. And you, you got to think that they know that they are special guys. That when people are coming to see Jesus, they're, they're also coming to see them. Now, not to the same extent, obviously, but they're, they're coming. They've got a good. They've got it better than good. They've got front row seats to everything that Jesus is doing. But as soon as it gets tough, Jesus, don't you care? As soon as it gets a little bit rough for them on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? What about us? God, we, we see Jesus, we see you healing all these other people. We see you doing all this other stuff, but what about us? What about now? Don't you care if we drown? I mean, they've, they've seen hurting people find hope. They've seen diseased people healed. They've seen people come from all over just to see Jesus. But as soon as it gets rough for them, as there's, there's no faith in Jesus. Even Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Why are you scared? It's, don't you care about us? Don't you care if we drown? Don't you care what happens? I mean, you can, you can, you can hear the... <clears throat> Jesus asked them, why are you so scared? Where is your faith? Why do you have so little faith? You can, kind of, you can kind of sense the undertone of Jesus speaking to his disciples here. Guys, you've just seen all of this stuff. You've just seen everything that I've done. Why are you scared? Why do you still have so little faith? Where is your faith? I think the same can, can probably be said for us sometimes. Man, when things are going well, it is super easy to be a follower of God. When things are going well and our life is great and our job is great and we're not in want and our friends are great and our spiritual life is great, it's so easy to trust that God knows what he's doing because, man, everything is, is great. But then life happens and things get rough and and our first reaction is oftentimes, don't you care? What about me? What, what about what's going on in my life right now, God? Don't you care what's going on with me? This, I'm going through a rough time. Where are you, Jesus? And, and I, I feel like we would get the same response from him. Why are you scared? Why do you have so little faith? I mean, I've, I've been here. I mean, in high school, things were really good for me. I loved God. I wanted to be just, I was just for God. I, I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. I would go anywhere that God wanted me to go. And then in the junior year, senior year of my high school, my parents split. My dad cheated on my mom. They split. 
And at that point, I just wanted nothing to do with God at all. I mean, I went to college after my senior year just wanting nothing to do with my family, nothing to do with God. I just kind of wanted to go and to be alone, maybe meet some new people and just kind of just disappear. All right, when things were good, I was all in. Like, God, I, I'm in. I want to serve you. I love you. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm all in, God. And it wasn't very long. Only that, that one thing happens in my life. My parents split up. My life has changed forever. And it takes that moment for me to realize what I was actually saying to God was, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything, dot, 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 as long as my life is comfortable. As long as my life is how I'm expecting it to go. As long as nothing happens to me, I'm in. It didn't take long for me to realize that's what I was actually saying to God. That's what I was actually doing. That's what I was actually, that's a story I was really telling God. I mean, I've gone both ways. I've said I'll, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere. But really, I just meant I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere as long as I'm comfortable. Maybe you've been there as well. But in reality, isn't this exactly why God allows some things to happen to us? So that we can grow, that we can mature in our faith. I mean, what kind of faith do we have if we never go through anything tough? I mean, that doesn't make it easier. That doesn't make going through those tough things any easier to realize that, but it does make it just a little bit more purposeful, doesn't it? To understand that God has a purpose in all of this. That God has not left me. God is not gone. I'm not alone. God is here with me, and this is an opportunity for me to grow in my faith. I mean, James chapter 1 talks about this. James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let perseverance continue its work, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Consider it joy when you go through hard times. Why in the world would I consider it joy when I'm going through hard times? Well, it's because those hard times allow me to, to, to persevere, allow me to be persistent like we talked about last week. And it's through that perseverance, it's through going through those hard times that, that our faith is able to mature and be complete, not lacking anything. I mean, difficulties have the power to be catalysts for our faith. There's a quote that I love by Mother Teresa, and she says this, and this is, uh, this is amazing. Ready? I know God will never give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> I know God will never give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. I mean, think about that. We are going to go through hard times. 
But when we do, when we go through hard times, which we all do, we tend to tell ourselves some lies about the hard times that I think we just need to, to knock it off. Right? We tell ourselves that hard times never come from God. This can't be a God thing that I'm going through all this. That can't, this, can't be, this can't be on purpose. This can't be anything that God is doing in my life. But in reality, I don't know that you can make a biblical case that hard times don't come from God. I mean, even in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is, is being led into the desert to be tempted. You know who he's led into the desert by? Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted. The Spirit of God was leading Jesus into the desert to be tempted by Satan. Right? Hard times. God might not just, just pick out a hard time and say, here's yours for today. But God can use these hard times. Right? Hard times, we, we tell ourselves this lie, that if I'm going through a hard time, God just must not love me. And that's just not the case. That's not the case. Hard times don't mean that God doesn't love you. I mean, there's an argument out there that, that God can't be a loving, good God because there is evil in the world. And if there is evil in the world, and God, then God cannot be all love. If hard times are there, then God can't have, God can't be love. God doesn't love me if, they're, if I'm going through hard times. That, that can't be farther from the truth, but that's exactly the lie that the disciples bought into. Jesus, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care about me? Don't you still love me? If you're questioning whether or not God loves you in a hard time, you need to look no further than John 3.16. For God so loved the world. And he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you could have eternal life. God loves you. Another lie we tell ourselves, hard times will ruin our lives. I'm, this hard time, this is just going to wreck everything. My life is over. My life is ruined. The disciples thought this. We're going to drown. Don't you care if we're drowned? We're going to die. Right, we go through hard times sometimes, and we just think, oh, man, this is just, this, this sucks. My life just stinks right now. I, I, I don't think that has to be the case. I think we can see hard times through the lens of, Man, this, this can shape my life. This could, this, this, the outcome of this, how I respond to this hard time can shape my faith. It can shape my life. My life doesn't have to be over. My life doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be ruined because of this hard time. We tell ourselves also the lie that hard times require desperate measures. Whenever we're going through a hard time, well, I, I'm just gonna, maybe I just need to be desperate and do all this kind of stuff. I, I love this, especially in the context of the story. The disciples... They have this lie like nails, right? They are panicking right now, saying, God, don't you care if we drown? What, what is going on here? Like, don't you care about us? We are going to die in this storm. They are panicked. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is sleeping. I think sometimes we look at hard times, and, and we go through hard times, and the first thing that we want to do is we just want to take action, we want to do whatever we need to do to get out of this hard time because we hate being in hard times. I think, though, if we take a page from Jesus' book, I think we're going to be better off. If we go through a hard time and we just, we just take a moment and we just rest and allow God to move 
and allow God to soothe us and allow God to just comfort us in the hard time, I think things would be better. It doesn't always require desperate measures. The last lie I think we tell ourselves is this, that hard times might be a pause in God's plan. That hard times might stop God's plan. But if you look at at this passage, this passage starts, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Here's how the next section starts. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, they made it. They made it to the other side. I mean, sure, there was a monsoon in the middle, and there was a miracle in the middle, but they made it. God's plan was not halted during this hard time. God's plan was not paused during this hard time. God's plan was still continuing. God's plan still came to completion, even during the hard times. We lie to ourselves a lot during these hard times that we go through. We try and just, just <clears throat> going through these hard times, we tell ourselves all kinds of lies about what God thinks about us and about how we can deal with this. But I'll, I'll tell you this this morning. Hard times are great opportunities for your faith to grow. Amen. Hard times are great opportunities for you to just give up to God. Hard times are great opportunities for you to draw close to him, for you to be in your Bible, for you to be in prayer constantly because hard times are opportunities for us to draw closer. And on the other side of a hard time, we might just look more like God than when we started. We might just look more like God wants us to be on the other side of a hard time than when we started. If we can just quit lying to ourselves about what hard times mean. Going through a hard time does not mean that God somehow has it out for you. God is not standing up in heaven with lightning bolts just trying to throw them down at you. That's not the kind of God that we serve. Hard times are opportunities. Hard times can be a catalyst in your faith to be able to grow be able to give up more of yourself to him and just say, God, I'm yours. It's another opportunity to realize I can't do this on my own. And to say, God, I give it up. I give it to you. And would you take it? Would you do whatever you will with it, God? But it's yours. My prayer this week for you is that even as you go through hard times, which you will, because we're alive, let's be honest, that in the midst of a hard time, that you don't lie to yourself and say that God must have it out for me, or maybe God doesn't love me like he used to, or, but you would just understand the truth of God, God can use this in my life. 
God can use this as a catalyst for my faith. God can use this to help me grow. God, would you just show me how to give this up to you? As we do that, I think you'll be shocked at how your faith just explodes. Because guess what? You've got a story to tell now. And we remember stories. And you can now tell the story of how God came through even when you were in a hard time. I can tell the story now of, and my parents... They split, and they got divorced. And man, that was a hard time in my life. But I came through it. And even when I wanted nothing to do with God, God was there with me. And when I decided that I wanted to give God another chance, I quickly realized that that my chance was never gone. God was there the whole time. He was walking with me. I'll never forget when I started my master's program at Point Loma. I was on the phone talking with uh, the dean at the time. His name was Ron Benefield. And I was doing an interview with him just to be accepted into the program. And I had known him from before my parents divorced, and so we were catching up a little bit, and he was just asking me how I was doing, and how that divorce affected my life, and we started talking about my own life and my own marriage, and he asked me how I met my wife, and I said, on the first day of school at Point Loma Nazarene University, my wife was friends with one of my friend's roommates. So they were sitting there, and I came up to talk to my friend, and she was there, and we met on the very first day of school. Now, something you need to know is the the last thing that my parents ever did together was take me to school. They went home, they split, that was it. And he, he had known that. And so he was quiet for a second, and then he, he just says, how amazing is God? And I'm in the middle of telling the story about how I met my wife, and I, he is, he's, he's really amazing. God is good. And he steps in and he says, no, I mean, on the, on the very last day that your family is how you knew it, God introduced you to your new family. And I just started crying. God has a plan even in the hard times. That moment for me, I'll never forget on the phone. Because when that happened, I wanted nothing to do with God. When I was introduced to my now wife, I wanted nothing to do with God. I, I, I was mad at God. I was angry with God. I wanted nothing to do with Him. But God never, never left. He was always there. He was always watching over. Hard times after the fact can be some amazing stories about how God is working in your life, how God has moved in your life, and how your faith can grow 
during that hard times, man, it's hard to even explain. Hard times are not all bad things. Tremendous growth can happen in your faith through a hard time if you just stop lying to yourself. Let's pray. God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks for who you are and for all you've done. God, it's said that uh, in our lives we're either coming out of a storm, we're in a storm, or we're about to go into a storm. God, no doubt there are people in this room going through hard times, going through storms in their lives. And God, I just pray that you would be with them. I pray that you would remind us that you are there. I pray that you would remind us that you are present in our lives, that you are right next to us as we go through those hard times. And God, would we just, would we learn to rely on you, to depend on you? And would these hard times become catalysts for us in our faith that would help us to grow, help us to mature, help us to become complete, God? God, this hard time, whatever we're going through right now today, would we be able to look back and say that we look more like how you want us to look after the fact than before the fact? Would these hard times in our lives become catalysts for us? God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'd like to end service just with a blessing. And so uh, if you would just, just hold your hands out. I know it might seem awkward. Just hold your hands out and just receive this blessing from God. <clears throat> May our God, the God of hope, the God of love, remind you this week, even if you're in a hard time, that he is with you, that he loves you, that he cares about you. And may you go forward using these hard times as catalysts in your faith that you might grow and look more like him every day. And may that growth help you make a difference in your community, wherever you may find yourselves. May God be in your workplaces, in your homes this week, as you live for him. May he go ahead of you, that you might make a difference in your community, wherever that may be. Go in the peace and the love of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning.